Welcome back to The Abnormal Christian. I am Brad Mason, and there's Natasha Mason. Hello. My wonderful wife. I, I saved it for the end. So we are back again with you um, on another episode. We're actually getting around to another episode this week. Um, so it's fantastic to get to something other than work. Um, we have been inundated with the amount of work that we are both doing in our lives, and uh, it is consuming a great portion of our time. And we are both very tired, and I think we look like we're about to fall asleep, but we're going to do this anyway. So this is going to be Acts chapter 15. Um, we're going to read through Acts chapter 15, kind of do the same thing we always do. I actually had done the um, the back work on this maybe two weeks ago, um, but last week we were, you know, I was working into the, I don't know, close to 70 hours, and um, I really didn't have time to get, we didn't get around to it. Um, the notes, I still, this is another wonderful episode where I do not have my notes with me, um, but hopefully the Lord will call to my memory um, everything that I had um, I had studied through and learned. And it's really not, you know, these, these stories of what's going on with the, the apostles here and the spreading of the gospel to the Gentiles is really not a complex um, narrative or, a narr- uh, you know, a, a very hard story to understand. I think a lot of times um, pastors and preachers and teachers, we take one or two verses out of this and then we build this huge, um, uh, elaborate, uh, 10-point sermon around it, right? So um, that typically tends to happen. And and it's not that those those sermons are not good or correct or accurate, but um, it, it kind of leaves out the story of what was going on. Because really, we understand that while the apostles and the disciples were walking around, they didn't have the New Testament. It wasn't something they carried with them. It wasn't considered to be scripture in their hand. They always referred back to uh, the Torah, which are the first five books of the Bible, and the uh, major minor prophets. They always considered that to be their scripture. We see that over uh, again and again with Paul. Paul is always going back to um, you know, David and uh, Samuel and some of these older prophets, and he's saying uh, these are the reasons that Jesus is the Messiah is because it has been written to us. Um, and today we have the Gospels and we have uh, the rest of the New Testament uh, due to the due diligence of Luke, people like Luke and uh, Paul uh, really um, taking the time to document the beginnings of the early church. And so here we are in Acts chapter 15. There's been so much that has occurred. Um, we've we've come to uh, Antioch, and I believe uh, this is where they are currently. Um, and uh, there's a contention that is going to rise up. Um, and very, we'll get we'll read a couple of verses here, maybe verse uh, one or two. Really get the contention out there. Talk about what that meant, and then we'll get into the story because there's a, quite a bit here in this chapter that's really interesting. And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said. Except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about this question. All right. So we have right off the bat, the, the, there's men who come down from Judea. These are uh, obviously converted Jews. They're Jews who believed in Jesus, Yeshua, as Mashiach, as the Messiah. And uh, and they've brought this idea with them that, um, that you need to be circumcised in order to be saved. At this point in Paul's preaching and teaching, he's been out preaching the gospel to the Gentiles for somewhere around 14, 15 years. This is absolutely new. This is something that he's never taught 
fault himself. He has quite a bit of, uh, of uh, argument there with them. They dispute back and forth about, is this accurate? Do you need to be circumcised to be saved? Um, and the real interesting point that I want to point out out of just the very beginning scriptures here is this is a work. They're, com- they're saying you have to complete a work for salvation. You must do a work in order to be saved. Um, And there's a lot of people who teach this same ideology today to say, you must do speaking in tongues. You must be a healer. You must be all these different things, right? They, They believe the good works. You have to do good works in order to be saved. And what they're basically teaching is that your works are a part of your salvation, that you're going to be saved by your works. And these men are doing the same thing. They're saying you can't be saved unless you are circumcised. So it's a work that you must do yourself in order to have salvation. And this is where Paul took dispute with them is because Paul knew that wasn't true. He had been preaching the gospel, which is by grace. It's freely given by faith um, to anyone who would believe. And I think he was a little probably aggravated that these guys are coming down. Now they're trying to teach everyone you've got to do this work. You have to earn your salvation by completing this work. Um, So they got to the point where they wanted to talk about it, and they decided, well, you know what we need to do? We need to go back up to Jerusalem, and we need to go to the elders, and we need to go to the council, and we need to ask them about this because I think you guys are wrong, but you're going to keep saying this. Um, And so, again, we're pointing back to Jerusalem as being where the church is founded. This is where the elders of the congregation, the body of Christ, were sitting, and uh, they were waiting. So continue on. And being brought on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, declaring the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy unto all the brethren. And when they were come to Jerusalem, they were received of the church and of the apostles and elders, and they declared all things that God had done with them. But there rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees, which believed, saying, that it was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. And the apostles and elders came together for to consider of this matter. All right, so we got this, we got this contention, and, and there's a good possibility that the men who came down from Judea preaching circumcision for salvation were of the sect of the Pharisees. They were Pharisees who had believed. So they go back up to Jerusalem to hear to the council of the apostles and the elders that are there, and uh, Pharisees rise up again, and they say, you have to be circumcised, and we need to tell the Gentiles that they need to obey the laws of Moses. Now, this really brings us into the current church age where we have been told that the laws of Moses do not apply, that they were hung on the cross with Jesus, the law is dead and gone, there's no need to do it. Um, you know, it's it's by grace we're saved, yes, absolutely. Um, but we also teach that a, a lot of churches teach that the law is dead and done away with. There's no need to have the law. And so here the Pharisees are, and they're making this point, we need to get them circumcised, and they need to obey the laws of Moses if they want to be saved. So this is the contention that's going on. Now, Paul um, has stood up and he has said, of all the wonderful works that the Lord has done, even on their way back to Jerusalem, we see they pass through Phoenicia and some of these other places, and they're explaining and they're, they're glorying in the God who is saving the Gentiles. So now the, the Pharisees have risen up and will continue on. And when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, ye know how that a good while ago God made choice among us, that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us, and put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? 
But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved, even as they. All right, so Peter rises up in the middle of the... Now, understanding Peter is not heading the council. Peter doesn't run this council. Peter stands up to give his opinion to the council and to everyone that's listening, but Peter is not the head of the church at this point. So Peter, what does he do? He stands up and says that God is giving them the same grace that he's given unto us. He is saving them the same way that he has saved us. He says, why would you want to put this yoke upon them that our forefathers couldn't bear? And a lot of people want to point this out and say, well, that's talking about the law. He's saying the law. You have to understand the law had a couple different, um, there were a couple different uh, kinds of law. There's Levitical law. There's the moral code. There's the moral law. There are sacrificial laws. There are different laws. And what he's talking about here is a law um, that is called the oral tradition. Uh, this in current terms is called the Talmud. Um, so if you have Torah, which is the Old Testament, first five books of the Bible, the Talmud is the oral tradition that the rabbis attach to that. And so these oral traditions, uh, they've created so many oral traditions to go with the Torah, um, that it was so burdensome, the people could not even keep it because there were so many rules and regulations they were expected to follow. And so what he's saying here is, why do you want to put this yoke upon their neck that they can't do, that our forefathers couldn't even do? Why do you want to continue to try to teach them these oral traditions along with the laws of Moses that they can't do? And we see eventually, we're going to see something here interesting that comes up to prove this point. Then all the multitude kept silence and gave audience to Barnabas and Paul, declaring what miracles and wonders God had wrought among the Gentiles by them. And after they had held their peace, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, hearken unto me. Simon hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And to this agree the words of the prophets, as it is written, after this I will return, and will build again the tabernacle of David, which is fallen down, and I will build again the ruins thereof, and I will set it up, that the residue of men might seek after the Lord and all the Gentiles, upon whom my name is called, saith the Lord, who doeth all these things. Known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. Wherever excuse me, wherefore my sentence is that we trouble not them which from among the Gentiles are turned to God. Okay, so James stands up. So James stands up. James is the head of this council, not Peter. James is the head of this council. So James stands up and he silences the crowd. And he says, brothers, we've heard what Peter has to say. He says, Simon, he calls him Simon. He says, we've heard what he has to say and how God has called the Gentiles out. We hear that. And then what he does is he does the same thing that Paul does. He goes back to the Old Testament. The quoting of scripture that he gives there is Old Testament passage passage. Um, honestly, I don't have it in front of me. I had it wrote down in my notes and I want to say it's in Malachi. Um, I could be wrong, but it's, I'd have to look it up, but it's, it's an old Testament scripture and you can cross reference it there. And it talks about how God is going to save the Gentiles and it comes from the prophets. And so he stands up and he says, you know, everything that he is saying, everything that Peter and Paul are saying here is accurate and true because the, the, the scriptures had told us that God is going to do this. Um, and then he makes this interesting, um, judgment. He says his judgment judgment is, is going to be this. And really the judgment here is that he's not, um, because he is the head of the council, this James is also the brother of Jesus. He's the half brother of Jesus who in, in Jerusalem and he's uh, heading this council. He, um, he's not making a judgment to say, go do what I say. He's giving his opinion. That's what this means in the Greek. It is, it is my opinion that we do the following. Wherefore, my sentence is that we trouble not them, which from among the Gentiles are turned to God, but that we write upon them 
that they abstain from pollutions of idols and from fornication and from things strangled and from blood. For Moses of old time hath in every city them that preach him, being read in the synagogues every Sabbath day. Then pleased it to then pleased it the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, surnamed Barsabbas, and Silas, chief men among the brethren. Okay, so we're going to stop there for a second and back up a little bit. So this is really interesting, ladies and gentlemen. you got to pay attention here. There's something here that you need to hear. So the idea is, are we going to give them the law of Moses and the oral traditions to make the Gentiles keep it? And the argument was, why would we put anything upon them that is too heavy for them to bear currently? Why would we put them anything upon them our forefathers couldn't keep? And so a lot of people are going to say, well, then James stands up and says, we, they don't need, we don't need to do that. We don't need to give them the law. We don't need to teach them that. And that's not accurate. You're not actually reading what it says there. What it's saying here is he's giving them four. He gives them four laws to the Gentiles to begin with. He says there's four things you should do or they should not do. Um, read those four things again. That they abstain from pollutions of idols. Number one. And from fornication. Number two. And from things strangled. Number three. And from blood. And from blood. So there are three things really there that have to do with blood. So the first one, I'm sorry, read the first one again. Pollutions of idols. Pollutions of idols. This is talking about um, polluting themselves with sacrifices that are offered to idols, which is something they would eat. If someone is giving something to an idol, if they've offered up a sacrifice, he's saying they should not eat it. They should not pollute themselves with it. Number two. Fornication. Fornication. In the Greek here, fornication here, the word that is used here actually means adultery, fornication, um, immorality, sexual immorality is what he's saying. They should stay away from sexual immorality. And from things strangled. Number three was the things strangled. This is another one that has to do with blood. So in the uh, in the in this period of time, an animal that was strangled was highly prized because the blood would stay in the body and they would let it rest inside of the muscle before they ate it or before they cut it up to eat it. And it was considered to be a very uh, succulent thing, right? But we know according to the law, the Torah, that we were not to consume blood, which is number four. And from blood. And from blood. And and so number four is the consumption of blood. You're not supposed to eat blood. You're not supposed to drink blood. This is what pagans do. So what he does is he basically breaks it down and gives them four laws. Here's four things the Gentiles need to do. And now you could say, well, that's the end of it then, right? So we don't have to keep, we don't need to pay attention to the law. We don't have to keep the law. The law doesn't make, make us righteous by any means. I agree with that. But then he also goes on to say something here. He says, we don't need to teach them that because the law of Moses is preached in the synagogues, right? right? It's out there. We're already out there preaching it. We're already teaching it to go with this Messiah. If they want to know the law, we can teach it to them. It's being preached. But for right now, at the beginning, the onset of someone who is a new believer, don't lay all this stuff on their feet. They're not going to get it. Just give them these four couple things. Give them these four basic things they can do. Because you have to understand when they're going out to the Gentiles, they're going out ma mainly into pagan regions where each city and each town had a pagan god and they would offer up sacrifices. We saw that in the last chapter where they wanted to bring sacrifices out and sacrifice in front of Paul and Barnabas. And they're like, no, don't do that, you know. Um, so it's very important to understand he never said, no, the law is done and gone and we don't need to teach that to them. He specifically says, teach them these four things. And if they want to know more, Moses is preached in the synagogue every Sabbath, which is every Friday. It comes up so they can learn that more. Continue on. And they wrote letters by them after this manner. The apostles and elders and brethren send greetings unto the brethren, which are of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria 
and Cilicia, forasmuch as we have heard that certain which went out from us have troubled you with words, subverting your souls, saying, Ye must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we gave no such commandment. All right, so stop there. So I want everybody to understand that. He just said, telling people to be saved through works is, sur- uh, say it one more time, it's the uh, subversion, I'm sorry. Subverting your souls. Exactly. It is subverting their souls. It's turning their souls to evil because you cannot earn your righteousness. You cannot make yourself righteousness. And if you cannot earn that, we all know the other side of that, you cannot undo that. It's nothing you did yourself. It seemed good unto us, being assembled with one accord, to send chosen men unto you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men that have hazarded their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have sent therefore Judas and Silas, who shall also tell you the same things by mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things, that ye abstain from meats offered to idols and from blood, and from things strangled, and from fornication, from which if ye keep yourselves, ye shall do well. Fare ye well. So there's the, we, and this is this portion of scripture relates back to the previous four laws that I gave you, um, or four rules that I gave you. And it shows that the first law was eating. Do not eat things offered to idols. Do not eat uh, sacrifices that have been made unto other pagan idols and other pagan gods. That was something they should not do because that was a, that was a practice in the current time and era. Um, and from blood. Yes, and, and again, he, he's repeated these laws again so that they would know them. And they also, interestingly enough, he sent out witnesses with Paul and Barnabas down to the people um, so that they could affirm what Paul and Barnabas has said. And not only that, but he said that we're sending Paul and Barnabas back out to you because they have suffered and they have struggled for the cause of Christ. And we know that people have, Paul was stoned at one point along our story. Um, so they have seen the, the suffering, what it means to suffer for Christ. So they wanted to make sure that this message was carried down to them by verifiable witnesses. And from things strangled? Yes, again, not eating the meat, uh, the animals that are strangled. It's definitely not. Uh, in the Old Testament, if you go through some of the, uh, the scripture that talks about how to kill an animal, um, there's a mercy. Uh, if you, if you think for a minute that God doesn't care about his creation, you're really confused because the Bible says that, you know, there's not a sparrow that falls through the ground that the Lord doesn't know. Um, I, I, I don't believe that God loves his animals and the creation as he loves us, but he does care about those things. One of the things he gave Adam to do was to be an overseer, a caretaker of all these animals and creatures. Um, and so there's some ways that we're told that when people offered sacrifice or they killed an animal, it was to be done in this, um, merciful way and not by strangulation, which was very brutal. Um, One of the other things that we want to bring up, where are we at here? Um, Verse 29. Okay, continue on. We'll get to it in a minute. And from fornication, from which if ye keep yourselves, ye shall do well. Right, stay away from sexual immorality. So when they were dismissed, they came to Antioch, and when they had gathered the multitude together, they delivered the epistle, which when they had read, they rejoiced for the consolation. And Judas and Silas, being prophets also themselves, exhorted the brethren with many words and confirmed them. And after they had tarried there a space, they were let go in peace from the brethren unto the apostles. Notwithstanding, it pleased Silas to abide there still. Paul also and Barnabas continued in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. And some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, Let us go again and visit our brethren in every city 
where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with him John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought not good to take him with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. So what happened? Just quick touch on that real quick. Um, so that's uh, Barnabas's nephew. It's actually his sister's son. And apparently when they were in Pamphylia, um, he had taken an interest in the work that they were doing and wanted to be included. But when they went on to do the, to sharing the gospel and, and moving on, he didn't want to go. And so this, uh, this not disagreement, it's not an argument. Uh, the, the Greek here does not um, indicate a heated dispute. Um, it is just a disagreement between Paul and Barnabas that arises. Um, Barnabas wants to bring him, and Paul's like, no, he kind of, you know, he left us back in Pamphylia when we were trying to go out, and he had his concerns about whether he would actually um, continue on with the preaching. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other, and so Barnabas took Paul, took Mark and sailed unto Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, confirming the churches. Okay, so uh, again, it says that the contention between them was was sharp. If you go back and you read and you do a little study into the Greek there, um, it indicates that it was just a disagreement between the two. Um, they were not going to reach a um, uh, they were not going to reach a satisfactory conclusion, and so they just decided, you know what, I'm going to take I'm going to take him and I'm going to go this way. And Paul's like, okay, I'll take him and go this way. And so the two did separate, but uh, the the actual language there doesn't indicate that it was any kind of a hostile thing. It was just people disagreeing, brothers disagreeing in Christ and continuing on to spread the gospel. Now, one of the things, one of the other things that you learn in this chapter that you don't know um, about Acts is when you kind of get into the Bible and you start seeing some different parts of the story that come together. Now, um, you have to remember, we go back up to Jerusalem in this chapter where Peter stands up and Peter speaks on behalf of everyone. Um, There's a point here in, in this chapter where it says they continued on and preached after they've gone back down. And Paul is here in this chapter uh, for a couple years. And at one point here, he runs into Peter. Peter comes down, and and actually it's believed that Peter came down um, with those men from Jerusalem to begin with, or Peter was there preaching when they showed up. And Peter and Paul had this disagreement, and and it shows up in Galatians uh, chapter 2. Verse 11, I'll read it real quick um, so you can kind of get, because I didn't realize this until I was going through the study. Um, In verse 11, it says, And when Peter was come to Antioch, this is where Paul was at the beginning of this chapter, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. So in Galatians, Paul said, Peter's coming down here, and I got in his face. Because Peter, I've got something against Peter because he was to be blamed for something, and he says, "For there were certain that came from, uh, the, for there were certain came from James. He did eat with the Gentiles, but when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision." So Peter was in Antioch and he was preaching the gospel. And when these men came down from Jerusalem and said you had to be circumcised to be saved, he was afraid of what they were going to think of him because he was eating with the Gentiles. And so instead of standing up for the gospel and saying, no, it's salvation by grace, not by works, he turned and went with those men, the men from Jerusalem, and walked away. And it says in verse 13, and the other Jews disassembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas was also carried away with their dissimulation. 
this is crazy. So Paul is preaching with Barnabas. These, these men come down and say, you have to be circumcised to be saved. Peter gets embarrassed because he's hanging out with the Jews, or the Gentiles, I'm sorry. And so he goes off with the Jews. And not only does Peter go, well, there goes Barnabas too. And this could have had something to do a little bit later with Paul's contention between Barnabas about taking his nephew with him. Because um, Peter, uh, Paul didn't forget about this. He wrote about this, this instance in Galatians. He wanted to remember it. Um, so in verse 14, he says, but when I saw that they walked not uprightly, According to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If thou being a Jew livest after the manner of Gentiles and not as do the Jews, why do you compel the Gentiles to live as the Jews do? And so he's saying, You came down here and you're preaching the gospel and you're eating with the Jews and you're living among the Jews and you're acting like the, or not the Jews, I'm sorry, the Gentiles. You've come down here. You're like, it's not already confusing. It is very enough, confusing. You you're keep... coming down here and you're eating with the Gentiles and you're living with the Gentiles and you're doing what the Gentiles do here. And But you're going to tell them that they need to obey like a Jew does, that they need to do the things the Jews do. Um, and, and they're just saved. Why are you doing that? So Paul got in his face. And this really goes to, and the reason I point this out, this is Galatians chapter 2, verse 11 through 14, that has to do with this Acts chapter 15. The reason I point this out is, again, to point out that Peter, the Roman Catholic Church especially, say that Peter is the head of the church. But even Peter here, according to Paul, had his failings when it comes to preaching the gospel. And when they go back up to Jerusalem, Peter stands up and he gives an account and James, who is the leader of the congregation, who is the leader of the council, has to be the one to stand up and say, no, we're not going to put that on them. Even though Peter had his opportunity to stand up and say it, he didn't. Um, so Acts chapter 15, there's a lot of stuff going on there. Again, if you go back and you look at the, uh, the scripture that James quoted, you can find that in the Old Testament as a direct quote as to God calling out the Gentiles and the Gentiles and the Jews, and it just goes back and forth. And it's, it, But it never says to do away with the law. No, it never, absolutely, it does not ever say anything to do with doing away with the law. What it does say is basically what you could take away from this chapter is don't put too much on a new believer. They've got to, they're babies in the faith and they have to mature. Um, and I think a lot of times that's something we really have to take away as a body of Christ because uh, so many times people come to your congregation and they find the Lord and the next thing you know, we want to throw them in the ministry doing something, you know, you need to run a youth group, you need to run a church camp, you need to run, no, easy, back up a little bit, let them breathe, teach them some of the word of God and let the spirit let the Holy Spirit mature them so that they'll know what 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 the Word of God says in case they're ever asked, because a lot of times people can't even answer the basic questions. It's a really good chapter 15. Um, it's, it was a little bit long, but that's okay. Next week, hopefully, um, Lord willing, we'll get into Acts chapter 16, and we'll continue on with our study of Acts, and I hope I haven't completely confused you with the Jews and Gentiles in this chapter. Um, it looks like Natasha might be a touch lost there, so it's okay. I just but, wanted to keep smacking you in the face when you <laughs> kept saying the wrong word. I know. I, it's just, I'm tired. It's a lot. So we hope that you'll continue to listen to this. If you want to contact us, you can reach us at theabnormalchristian at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, from our heart, we want to thank you for listening and giving us a little bit of your time. Um, if you're stuck inside due to the coronavirus, we hope you listen to every episode. Call everyone you know and tell them all to listen. Something great to do while you're locked in your house. Uh, but anyway, we will catch you next time, and we hope that God continues to bless you. Bye.